We believe, or at least like at my school, we believe that God created us. And then that leads to another question, where did God come from? I'm sure someone will figure it out or like there will be signs that will tell you, but it kind of, it, I just really want to know the answer to that question. Yeah, well, don't we all? I imagine it with a capital U. Like I think I yeah. see the word written out and it's capitalized. There are certain things that are unknown, but like the unknown in itself almost has this like entity-like quality. The unknown. You've probably heard of it. You've probably thought about it. The unknown, huh? It's interesting because there's a lot of unknowns in the world, right? So many unknowns. And even just waiting for something fun can be a stressor. Like your birthday present, you don't know what you're going to get because it's a bo in a box. What do you feel while you're waiting? I feel anxious and unpatient. Until she opens that box, it's Schrodinger's birthday present. All possibilities exist. She could find the very thing she'd hoped for. She could find something better than anything on her wish list. And she could be really disappointed. You really don't know what to expect, and it's a little scary sometimes, but that's what makes life exciting. Yeah. <laughs> In the last episode, we explored defense mechanisms. You know, all those things we do to cope psychologically with the various threats in our day-to-day -day lives. And one of the biggest threats we find ourselves defending against as conscious beings, it's the unknown in its many forms. So in this episode, we're going to dig into all of that excitement, like how we develop narratives and strategies to get through uncertainty. And what happens when life tears through those structures like an F5 tornado. I'm Lily Sloan, and this is A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. I can't think of a better way to dive into the unknown. Okay, I'm recording. Than to begin with a death. My sister died two years ago. She was 13 months younger than me, Chloe. And after she died, I was flying my mother to California, who, who was in a bad way. And uh, it was one of those flights where you see people sometimes on an airplane. They have this look on their face, which is something terrible has happened. You can tell something terrible has happened. But... Uh, I remember looking out the window, and it was this beautiful sky, and thinking to myself, this is a th I was 32 years old, uh, <laughs> the host of a big podcast and uh, everything else, and I remember thinking, I wonder if Chloe's up there on that cloud. And it was the craziest thing for me to think, because I was thinking about this child's idea we have of heaven and an angel and Chloe lounging on a cloud. And I thought to myself, isn't that a wonderful idea right now in this one moment to believe that she's up there, looking down, looking outside, say, hey, hi, Mom, hi, Phoebe, good luck on your way to California. 
Do I believe that's true? I don't think I do. But the comfort that that brought in that one moment and that that's the thing that came into my head was very striking to me. And now my niece, I have a seven-year-old niece, when it's beautiful outside, we say, Madeline will turn to me and say, it's a Chloe sky. And so to me, that's, whether that's spirituality or religion, who knows what, that's enough. That to me is enough. I'm Phoebe Judge. I'm the host of Criminal. So if you haven't heard it, Criminal is a podcast where Phoebe and her co-producer Lawrence Bohr bring us really compelling stories about crime, like the one about the guy who keeps getting in trouble for flipping off the cops, or the legendary Carrie Nation who wielded a hatchet and busted up saloons for the temperance movement, or the one about how a botanist ended up helping solve crimes. To me, criminal is really about the complexities of human nature and how we relate to the bounds and structures created for us how rules get broken, and how we try to make sense of what happened. Crime stories are just good stories. And people say that sometimes you do show about crime. Are you depressed all the time? And anyone who listens to Criminal knows that there are almost as many funny stories as there are sad stories. Phoebe's deep curiosity brought her to journalism. Before Criminal, she worked in public radio, covering big stuff like hurricanes and oil spills out of the Gulf Coast. But at this point, Phoebe just has more questions than answers. So I'm more confused about the human experience after starting Criminal than, you know, I was before. I think that nothing is black and white. Most of everything in this world is in that gray area. Phoebe's work means facing a lot of unknowns. Like when she visited the body farm in Texas where bodies donated to forensic science are studied at varying levels of decompensation. You can imagine this would be a shocking experience. But most of this is vulture activity. I had no idea what to expect when we walked into that field. I was nervous about a lot of things, wondering whether I'd be able to get these images out of my head that night when I went to sleep, trying to figure out how I would carry on an interview while not breathing through my nose, regretting not bringing a change of clothes. But this actually seemed okay. That first body hadn't been that bad. And then we turned a corner. All right, so the area that we're getting ready to... Oh, look at this. The area we're getting ready to pass, actually, uh, this right here is a researcher, uh, actually from New York, that's here. So she's got bodies on the surface and bodies that are buried. Oh, this is really something. So... But despite all the outlandish stories Phoebe investigates, stories of lawlessness, human desperation, or in this case, staring the decay of our flesh right in the eye, in her day-to-day life, Phoebe is kind of rigid. I mean, living with someone who is as rigid as I am, if if I weren't able to step away from it sometimes, I'd die alone. 
I die alone, a miserable, <laughs> lonely death with no friends, because who would want to be around someone as rigid a person as I can be? She's particular about when she eats her meals. There are these people who say, oh, I'll eat a late lunch, or I'll grab something, I'll just, you know, I'll just like snack on something. That's a word I don't understand, snacking on something. I don't snack on things, I have my meal. Or how many miles she's going to run. I run 50 miles a month, that's one of the other things I do. Or what time she's going to bed or getting up in the morning. You know, staying up until two o'clock in the morning to me is, is about the most unappealing thing I've ever heard. I can't imagine wanting to stay up until two o'clock in the morning. But in the same way that I couldn't imagine staying in bed until 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, I think you get up, you work hard, you keep your head down, and you can sleep soundly knowing that. Hearing about this, I find myself feeling kind of jealous. Like I get into a routine for a bit and then I end up just losing it and I feel chaotic again. I mean, I'd be better if I was one of those people. Well, yes, I live like a 75-year-old. <laughs> maybe you just want to be an elderly person. Yeah, maybe. Except... Most 75-year-olds are not running 50 miles a month. But Phoebe says, being this regimented person, it doesn't get in the way of having a full and exciting life. And yet, there are those places where she just wants to play it safe. We live in a world where we have the opportunity to be disappointed at every turn. And uh, I try to protect myself from disappointment as much as possible. I know that cutting my hair and giving myself bangs might be the greatest thing that ever happened to me, but I think that's possibilities about 20%. And I think the other 80%, I can safely say, I'm not going to set myself up for any more disappointment than I might find just walking around during my daily tasks. And so I'm going to keep my hair long. Like the rest of us, Phoebe's negotiating in her own way when to take risks, and when to step outside of the bounds she's constructed for herself, when so much is really unknowable, and so much is out of our control. There, there are risks that we can take and we have to take to become evolved human beings. And there are some things that we can just say, I'm going to stay safe on this one. And uh, maybe that will change. But for me, there are constants in my life that... If I lose them, I feel like I might just become untethered, like an astronaut in space. You know, you see them, they're doing that spacewalk, and they have that little tiny strap. And if they let go, they just float away forever, and how would they ever get back? And I feel that way about certain things in my life. So when Phoebe's sister died, it wasn't like in the movies where this big thing happens and now the person is noticeably, drastically changed forever. You know, I was as nuts before Chloe died as I, as I am. No, nothing, nothing changed. It's more like all the little things we do to stay sane or all the ways we try to convince ourselves we have control, they do work on this kind of micro level. But they don't really stop the world from crashing down around us when big things happen. And so what you really get to see is that these little tricks that we've set up for ourselves really don't matter that much. You know, um, 
they help us get through the stuff and the light. But when the big stuff happens, it all flies out the window and you see that you are okay. You're okay. I, and I'll just tell you, I spent a couple of nights not having dinner at 7.30 and I was okay. So, you know, it's very interesting to see how you respond in all different types of circumstances and to also always know that you do not have it figured out and that you are as clueless as the man sitting next to you on the bus and we are all just doing the same exact thing. So sometimes stuff happens and everything falls apart for a bit and then we reintegrate and get back to life and all those defenses that were generally working okay. And it's not like we didn't take any lessons with us. It's just that the long-term impact might be more subtle the further away from the event we get. But sometimes a shock is so big, or it hits you at just the right moment in your life. And the unknown becomes a salient aspect of your day-to-day because a wrench could fly at your face at any moment. I met this woman at the bar. She's 24 years old now but she described who she thought she was at 16. I was very healthy my entire life, you know what I mean? Very like athletic, didn't have any kind of medical issues, things, just like a very conventional, like middle-class privileged life. And given this identity as healthy, athletic, privileged, she never entertained the thought that these constants would come into question, but they did in a really big way. I was 16 years old, it was like the day before I was going to take my driving test, and I was in my mom's car, we were going to the beach, I started trying to talk, and I couldn't talk well, and I started like fumbling my words, and like everything felt wrong, and like I couldn't understand, and she was like, honey, are you okay? Are you okay? Do we just need to go home? And I was like, blah, 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 blah. And so we went home, pulled in the garage. And this is when she blacks out. She was told she opened the car door and fell onto the garage floor. My first memory of it is waking up on a stretcher to an EMT who was really cute. So she asks this cute EMT. What happened? What happened? What happened? And he tells her, you had a seizure. The first thing out of my mouth was, but I'm not the type of person that has seizures. Like that doesn't happen to people like me. For 16 years of her life, this is what she believed. That's not a simple thing to wrap your mind around. I can do anything. I can control my brain. I can control everything. Right from there, it turned into a whole thing, you know, because, okay, why? So she sees a neurologist who runs some tests. She gets an MRI and over the phone riding in the car with her dad on her way to get her senior picture taken. Her pediatric neurologist gave her the news. Dr. Mel, I remember he was cool. She had a birth defect in her brain called a heterotopia. And he told me about that, and I was like, heterotopia, that sounds like a theme park for straight people. Like, that was my my first thought. Yeah, but isn't the whole world a theme park for straight people? Anyway, we digress. So it's basically like a clump of too many neurons in one spot. It's not like a tumor, it doesn't grow, it doesn't change. And because seizures are caused by electrical activity in the brain, if there's too many neurons in one spot, it's more likely there's gonna be too much electrical activity there. Too much electrical activity in the wrong part of her brain. Imagine being 16. 
forget that. Just imagine if this happened to you right now. A lot of us would probably go to lengths to make sense of it. When presented with gaps in information, like in her case, the why, how do we make space for the new information that contradicts what we thought we knew? Often we make up narratives that serve us in one way. They attempt to provide answers, but they can also be really painful. I cried, I started crying and I was like, was it my fault, is it my fault? And he was like, no, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. And I realized like later on reflecting on that, like I would rather have been able to say it was my fault, like I did something wrong, I controlled what happened to me, as opposed to just like, I couldn't control any of that. So she's worked through a lot of grief around losing aspects of her identity and rebuilding a life with the knowledge that she's not invincible and that she has some very real limitations. Like, she never did get that driver's license. I think learning that like life shit can just happen like that and you don't see it coming and you can't control it and you have to live with that all the time, it changes the way you live and approach stuff. One of the extraordinary things about human beings is that we're wired for meaning-making. Maybe that's a survival thing. Like, how do you go on being conscious and not feel a sense of purpose? What would be the point? And so we use religion, philosophy, science to help us build a narrative or get to the bottom of it. Somehow, eventually, it'll all make sense. You know, something I struggle with in life a lot is, you know, the purpose of your life is it to live for other people and try and, you know, almost like a utilitarian thing, like the largest benefit, however you measure that, like tangibly for humanity, or should you just like do what makes you individually happy? Because it's just so hard to measure that and everything's so confusing. Oh, it is very, very confusing. And some of us, well, we tend towards questioning and falling apart a bit in the face of the unknown, whether or not something shocking has happened in our lives. I remember when I was five or six years old, standing on a step stool, staring into the bathroom mirror, working myself up into tears because I was trying to understand why I exist. And that certainly wasn't the last time. Whether you believe the purpose of life is to find happiness or to do good or to transcend your corporeal form and reach nirvana, or please God, or even if you believe it's all biology and physics coming about through a series of random accidents, here you are. But to plan for the future, to understand traumas of the past, or to even open a mystery birthday gift. You have to face vast amounts of uncertainty, and your natural tendency will be to mitigate that. Is there any special tricks that help you be more patient? Maybe like, if I were to have a play date with my best friend, that would usually keep my mind off of it because I will have such a good time with my friend that I will forget about it. Good distraction. And the adults? Maybe we get better at distracting ourselves, but the mysteries are always lurking. 
I try not to let it impact my life, honestly. I mean, there's, it's, it's one of those questions you can't really answer, so. You know, not getting 10 steps ahead of myself, focusing on what I can kind of work on now in the meantime. Well, I like to go to the gym. Lots of avoidance and anxiety. and I like to meditate. I, I just try to enjoy every day as I can. Play a little guitar. Deferring and, you know, postponing until possible action. Just fuck it, you know? And just because who knows what's going on. Like, we're just literally all on this rock that's like twirling around the sun. You know, that's the right way. Yeah, I was thinking it was the other way for a second, and then I was like, no, we do go around the sun. <laughs> like, that's... Sorry. There was a lot of confusion about that for a long time, though. Long time, you know, but that was the unknown. They did not know. They thought the sun went around them for various reasons, and now why wouldn't we be the center of the universe? Next, you're going to tell me the world isn't flat. <laughs> no comment. We've got a flat earth right here. Oh, well, yeah, like, look at it. Look at the ground beneath oh, yeah. us. How come I'm not falling off? Sometimes I feel like I am falling off, though. Whatever the truth is, and just to confirm the Earth is not flat, I'm pretty sure, there's two really important pieces to how we handle all of this. First, we need comfort. We need our caregivers to hold us and tell us everything is going to be okay. Yeah, it is kind of a lie. They can't promise that. But we need it, and that's okay. And second, we need to build our tolerance for sitting with the discomfort of the unknown a little bit at a time. Because we need that too. It's creative space. We won't discover anything new without facing it. And then what is the point? So comfort and discomfort both help us grow. It's so interesting what brings us comfort, you know, what brings us, and it's something I'm sure that comes from when we were young and what felt familiar and safe to us. That's Phoebe again. And outside of her routines that give her a sense of control over her life, she has other ways of feeling grounded when everything else is a bit up in the air. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was driving in my car, and the phone was ringing. It was coming through the car, and I was having these big talks about stuff. And then the, the phone call would end. And Fred Astaire would come on. And it was all okay driving, driving down the road. And I, I don't know. I think it's those things that we all have, that uh, those quiet things that make us able to get through, you know, and not, not to, this is, that sounds too grim, get through, but just ground us and let us know we're going to be okay. For Phoebe, it's jazz standards that ground her. For me, watching reruns of Star Trek The Next Generation make me feel safe and hopeful. Who knows what the future will look like? Who knows if my life will move towards or farther away from the stuff I've thought I always wanted? Who knows when I'll die, or the people I love. It's kind of too much to spend much time thinking about. But I do. And now you can too. You're welcome. I guess the question becomes, when are you too stuck in comfort, and when are you too stuck in chaos? Phoebe has a goal of how many miles she has to run each month. 
She says in her mind, if she doesn't do it, her world will explode. And I get that. I feel that way about getting this podcast out on my self-imposed deadline. In fact, it helps me do it. And it feels so real. But if we can't let in the part of us, however small, that knows our rules are, in many ways, just arbitrary constructs, that's when we're really in trouble. Yes. It's the same way I was in Paris at a cafe. <laughs> that's that's how I'm starting the story, which is why I'm hesitant to even tell this story because I sound bad for even... Th- but I was, at, I was in Paris at a cafe, and I... Um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have a cigarette. I thought, if there's one time in the world, I'm going to have a cigarette. And I remember thinking to myself, if I smoke this one cigarette, is that it? Are the floodgates open? You know, does it, you know? And I smoked a cigarette, and a cigarette was done, and I thought to myself, okay, you're okay. And that was a great thing, right? We can, we're, you're okay. You know, you can be a little risky. You can step out of this comfort zone for a minute and you're, you'll come back. It's going to be all right. You know, the world will not end. It's going to be all right. The world will not end. Of course, I can't really promise that, but that's most likely the case. And if it does end, it almost certainly has nothing to do with you. This episode was produced by me, Lily Sloan, and edited by the wonderful Emily Shaw. Music and sound design also by me. Thank you, Garrett Tiedemann of the White Whale Podcast for helping me talk through some philosophy. To learn more about Phoebe Judge and Criminal, visit thisiscriminal.com and also check out her new show, This Is Love, at thisislovepodcast.com. And really, just subscribe to both of them if you haven't already. I don't miss a single episode. As always, I'm so appreciative of the strangers who got into the thick of such a tough topic with me at the bar. And I'm grateful for Arthur Max Tap and Snack in Oakland, California. That plum sour was pretty delicious. And guess what? Some of you have already joined the elite group of patrons that are making this show possible. One such patron signed up for the WTF Are You Even Real tier. So I'm going to give a shout out right here for Bree Slimmick. Thank you for helping make this possible. And I want more of you in on this. So visit patreon.com slash a therapist walks into a bar to contribute any amount that works for you on a monthly basis and to get your special insider rewards. Again, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A Therapist Walks Into A Bar. And please subscribe to A Therapist Walks Into A Bar and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And to stay in the loop, go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. Thanks for listening. Sometimes we pretend in the car that we're part of Harry Potter or something. There's like spells that I know. Sectum Sempra. That one's where it like it tickles you basically to death. <laughs> I I think I've been tickled almost to death before and I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs>